Hey, 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 what's up, what's up, what's up? How's oh, not doing? much. <laughs> oh, man. It's been a day. It's been a day. Um, I, I became the, uh, the latest victim of the uh, the supply chain fiasco. Uh, uh, we, I don't know what happened. Uh, well, um, <clears throat> so I drive a Hyundai Palisade, like a 2020 Palisade. And so the uh, because the, the vehicle is all-wheel drive, um, if, you, if the tire goes flat... Like it has to be replaced with the exact same tire. Like you, you can't just like put a different tire on one wheel than the other ones because you'll screw up your transfer casing. So um, it always has to be the uh, the same tire. Now the problem is I um, took it to the the dealership to see about getting the uh, the tire fixed or replaced, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we uh, we can't do that." What do you mean you can't do that? Oh yeah, we can't replace the tire. Well, why not? Well, because the uh, the tire is not uh is not available there are back orders on it but the manufacturer has no idea when they're going to be able to manufacture new ones at the very earliest we're looking at january like how is that even possible so you mean like everybody who like needs to get the tires replaced because they're bald or because they're flat simply cannot get this tire yeah that's the problem because uh where the tires are manufactured there's only like three like major manufacturing facilities and unfortunately one of them is russia so the, the facility that this one is manufactured at is in Russia, and well, you've probably seen the news, right? So yeah, I had to, I had to. Wow. Get, yeah, well, I mean, I got, I just got winter, I just got winter tires. Like I just got a set of, which sent me back like two thousand dollars, but whatever. It's Ooh. yeah, it was, it was kind of messed up that like, yeah, it's kind of messed up that like, you know, one of the, uh, the casualties of this whole thing is that, yeah, unfortunately, if you want to get your tire replaced and it's, um, you know, of a particular brand. Uh, yeah, it's not gonna happen. You know, it's a very short-sighted thing that uh, seems really predictable, but apparently it wasn't. With this idea that you would just break Russia, um, but have minimal damage to ourselves. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it seems pretty foreseeable that that wouldn't happen. But yeah. uh, I guess there's a lot of um, connections or things that the so-called experts just did not really foresee or understand. You no, know, but, I, I, here's the yeah. thing. I, I think that most like anybody who's like familiar with the just in time supply chain, especially if you like, if you're, I don't know, like if, if you work in like, like the department of transportation or department of commerce and so on, like you, you're probably well aware. Um, if you're like, you know, uh, a, <clears throat> an economic analyst or, uh, you know, like a talking head on CNBC, like you're probably well aware. It's just that because everybody was cheerleading this war, nobody really, like, I don't think anybody really 
like said how bad it was possibly going to get. I think everyone thought that like the, the majority of the damage was going to be limited to Europe, but unfortunately, like even uh, <clears throat> things like catalytic converters. You know, like the like the you know, the oh yeah, and, yeah, and the catalytic converter thefts are off the chain now. Like people are getting the catalytic yeah. converters stolen left and right. Yeah. So one of the problems with the catalytic converter is that it uh, requires palladium, and not only Russia but China are involved in the supply chain uh, for the, uh, the the manufacture and um, use of palladium for finished products. So there's a in the same dealership they're saying that they've got cars that have been brought in for repair that are not usable and have been sitting there for like two solid months with no idea when they're going to be able to get a new uh, uh, cat converter. Yeah, right now, uh, a lot of places are starting to do like moratoriums on buying catalytic converters unless you have some kind of clear chain of custody for the converter because so many stolen ones are, uh, you know, being brought in, you know, but I'm sure a lot of these places aren't even listening to that and just buying them, you know, Stolen or yeah. not, because they they kind of need them. Yeah, it's pretty insane. So I know this is like way a field of our topic, but you know, you asked how it was going, and I'm telling you, <laughs> shit sucks yeah. out here. No, for real. But you know what? Um, fly that Ukraine flag. You know, uh, get that Ukraine tote. Uh, you'll be popular in the yeah. NPR crowd. That's a, that's all that matters. Ask people what they're doing it for. People think uh, that guy Yelensky is like um, an America's Funniest Home Video comedian or something, or just a media darling. I don't think they understand. I never realized how international awareness impaired American people are until like really this war. But um, like you said, that's far field of topic. Let's not dwell on that. Um, hey, Karthik, what's going on? What's up, Trevor? What's up, Q? This is my NPR voice. <laughs> I, I always say NPR people sound like they're smiling with their voice. It's a, it's a really insane type of voice that it's just gotta, makes it's me gotta crazy. Go, you gotta go. You have to go more nasally with it too. It's gotta be nasal. Oh yeah. Hello, guys. How are uh, you today? No, 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 leaning too hard into it. You basically have to sound like uh, you have to sound like you moved from like small town Ohio to New York City. I seriously don't get what like NPR's problem is. You know, like it's like they're, it's like they're trying to like lull me into like sleep me or you know, yeah, pretty much get me into like sleeping into supporting Empire shit. Like it's I'm, I'm sure like everybody that's on NPR is like super like hard Clinton supporter. Yeah, it's not really sleep. I would say it's more a hypnotic state because it's like yeah, that's they're relaxing I mean. you and making you sleepy, but engaged and locked in at the same time. So it's like, to me, it's a hypnotic state where you're very relaxed and sleepy, but you're still listening and focused. And I think that's what they try to do. They try to um, hypnotize you into uh, shit livery. Oh, uh, can I say something about the title of your uh, room? About the topic? Uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. This, this was uh, Q's this was Q's uh, topic because I was topic impaired. The only topic I had was uh, don't say, don't worry, darling. And uh, Q hadn't seen it yet. so. Um, oh, yeah, I haven't Q, seen it. I'm not going to see it. Yeah, Q, Q's going to take the lead on lead on this one. So, so you, you, can, you can address it to Q. I have thoughts on it, but this, this is Q's topic today. Yeah, go ahead. What's up, man? Um, so I, I know like one of the, uh, titles is like go woke, go broke. So I wonder, is it go woke, go broke, or is it the opposite? Is it like sometimes like, because like, is it people that like, is the studios 
just trying to use like identity politics because they have like like uh, nothing else to do, nothing else to say. No, I don't think so. Uh, oh, okay. I I feel very confident in saying that because. Okay. And and okay. and when you say woke, does that just mean like identity politics? Um, you know what? This will start with right. Um, there's a weird thing that happens, and I brought this up in an earlier episode. Where right now we're in this weird phase where the tail wags the dog, and um, there's this idea that uh, well, first off, that's a good that's a good point to define uh wokeness and because that's like kind of like how i would define like even though like it's been like because i know like 10 years ago like like woke actually meant something you know it meant like you know what's wrong with the system you know um yeah it was i I mean as as for the the title i mean it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing but like yeah the issue the issue i mean that i was finding or, or that i wanted to talk about this week is that uh like you have you have uh media creators whether it's like film tv etc where people say uh, in in response to their immediate critics, like for example, uh, Charlie's Angels uh, or Elizabeth Banks was answering the question, okay, well, why is another Charlie's Angels needed? And you know, she was saying, well, you know, we need to be able to see female action heroes. Well, there's, I mean, Wonder Woman's a female action hero. Captain Marvel's a female action hero. Oh yeah, but that's in the male genre. Uh, okay, so like, why why do we need Charlie's Angels? And she basically just like got to the point where I was like, well, you know what? Maybe this is not for you. And that happens a lot where like uh, creators will um, tell the audience, well, this probably just isn't for you. This is for us. This is like, you know, this is where we're, we're trying to show uh, how like we're trying to show that there can be like feminist action heroes or women action heroes. We're trying to show that we can have like black action heroes or Pakistani action heroes or whatever. So like the 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 response to criticism is it's not for you, but then the problem is when you tell people it's not for them, then they don't show up. It was like, well, I, I guess it's just not for me, so I won't be watching. And then when the box office or the ratings flop, they get upset and say, well, people didn't show up. That's the part that kind of perplexes me because it's been happening so often lately. Yeah, there's this thing where they say it's not for you, but then they feel entitled to your dollars. Anyway, it's not for you when it comes to complaining. But it's for you when it's time to spend money, which is right. very uh, – they want to be able to taunt you, but you still uh, show up and and spend the money out of moral obligation anyway. Yeah, which like people you, just you don't, owe don't it to them. Way. Yeah, you owe it to them to support their movie, TV show, whatever kind of intellectual property. I mean, it happens with employee activists too where there's this new trend of – people who get um, hired in the name of uh, diversity at different big companies like um, Netflix or HBO Max or different places, but then, or you know, when they get there, they expect to be able to uh, protest Amazon or Netflix or whatever on the job all day, but still be treated like a valued employee. And when, um, you know, they get laid off or fired, they'll be like, hey, uh, I thought we were a family or I feel betrayed. And it's like, wait, you've been protesting and complaining about this job. Like like Netflix, uh, when they had that hit to their stock price and they had a really bad quarter, it was like they just, I guess, realized we can't just keep indulging people. Like, like we don't have a license to pr- print money after all. We actually have to be profitable. Wall Street's watching us. Our investors are watching us. So Netflix, after letting a lot of their employees constantly 
protests and complain about Dave Chappelle and have um, walkouts uh, repeatedly or, you know, uh, do protests on the lot, they finally told people, look, if you don't... Those like walkouts poly- seemed so small. Like, were those walkouts, like, even with, like, the employees? Yeah, or just, like, outsiders? The, oh, okay. no, the employee, no, no, the employees walked out, you know, and they'd walk out. They would protest the company on the company's dime. And um, when, when, the, when the company finally said, look, um, if you really hate it here so much, and this is the being really patient with them. They say, really hate it here so much. Um, you're welcome to find employment somewhere else. And that became a huge thing. But I was thinking, if you hate it so much, you should be the one wanting to leave. Like, why do you want, like, why do you want to work there so bad if you hate it so much and you complain? There was this, um, for example, there was this uh, trans engineer who was very vocal about how Netflix, um, you know, sucked for, supporting Dave Chappelle and this, that. And she was all the time on Twitter bashing Netflix. But she kept she kept working there and she um there was some kind of executive meeting and she crashed the meeting with another employee and then they still didn't fire her. Like they um suspended her. And she was bashing and attacking the company during the suspension. And then there was a time she was like off of work and she was complaining, wow, like I'm so lonely without my Netflix family. Like in a weird way, she really seemed to like love the idea of working at Netflix, but all she did was agitate to agitate them. When she finally got laid off, then she was tweeting nonstop about the betrayal. Like I thought we were a family. Netflix told you tells us we're a family, we're um a team, but then and I was like, okay, you want them to be a team to you, but you have no desire to be a team to a team to them. And also they're so evil, but the idea of having the principles to walk away from the job and quit never crosses your mind. You still have to get the bag, uh, no matter, no matter what. So, so, um, yeah, it's a very, well, maybe all uh, like this, um, like protesting, you know, will create, like, I, I doubt it, but maybe one day it will create like a streaming co-op, you know? Where maybe like like some of the workers thought like 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 like, like the trans workers that either walked out or protested the execs meeting. Um, maybe, uh, I don't think maybe, maybe that will be allowed or even welcomed if there was a streaming co-op. Yeah, I don't think that that'll work. I don't think. Oh any yeah, of these things that, that's never gonna work. happen. Like they're they're yeah, never gonna uh, get enough investors for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because uh, one of the dirty secrets is none of these super successful things can actually pull a profit. They're all living off of venture capitalist money you know that's the reason why uber is having a hard time and probably won't be here in five years i don't think uber has to be profitable no they don't have to be profitable because they have venture capitalist money but the venture capitalist money is uh drying up there's a good video by this uh netflix channel not by this youtube channel called moon uh and it's about why uber probably won't be here in five years and they were relying on um venture capital money to grow as much as they can in hopes of getting a monopoly. And the hope was once they got the monopoly and they put out um, the local taxi services in every city and also crowded out anyone from entering the market, then they could raise rates and, you know, not be undercut and have, so the venture capitalists were just fueling them to just grow and they were operating at a loss. But a lot of things now operate at losses. They just have the old Amazon strategy of we'll just get market share, we'll just get monopoly, we'll just grow, 
And then once we get that dominance and there's no chance of anybody being a remotely viable number two, then we're going to, uh, and that's why a lot of these things where people say, oh, let's just make our own um, media company or let's make our own uh, streaming company. One reason it won't work is because it's hard to compete against these subsidized people. You know what I mean? It's very, very tough. I think that's, that's my thought on why it just won't, won't work okay. personally. So before yeah. I go and I let your other callers talk. Wait, 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 before you proceed, I want to answer your two questions. Cause you asked uh, two questions. You said, um, what is, uh, wokeness? And then, uh, what, what, what did you ask before that? It was, it was a two-part um, so question. I, I think I said, do you think uh, it's woke, go broke, or go broke, go woke? Oh, okay. okay. And then so, I asked, so, how would you define woke? Because okay. to me, it just seems like identity politics. Okay. I don't think wokeness is identity politics. I think what wokeness does is it uses the shell of identity politics to um, advance kind of um is not the definition of identity um, politics because there's no substance to it already it's already a shell um no i don't think so uh you know i don't think because well a lot of critics of identity politics do is just call any identity politics they like they claim it's not identity politics for example they'll say the black panthers or fred hampton or he wasn't identity politics he was actually a socialist but you can be a socialist and still practice identity politics like fred hampton clearly practiced socialism in a black centered uh way and he was very you know and like a lot of times when i talk with socialists and it'll be like uh you know identity politics this and that but i'm like but you guys like fred hampton oh he was a socialist or that's about martin luther king and people tell me martin luther king didn't do identity politics and it's like okay that's that's uh like like i don't think and this is a defense that yeah uh, I'm pro- about, like, the this, this is a defense of provo what, what's that when I say identity oh, blocks, I'm, I'm talking about the more recent cases, oh. like Hillary Clinton and Kamala Harris types. Yeah, see, but to me, that's like that would be like me saying um, socialism doesn't work because uh, Patrice Cullors says she's a trained Marxist. Like people can call themselves anything in recent, but you know, you can pick anything and make it uh, find a bad example. But yeah, you know, I, I don't think but Patrice Cullors. It does is real socialism, and I don't think it's real identity politics um, either. But I do think the who are you talking of, about? I, I didn't um, hear. Patrice Carter, Patrice Carter is from Black Lives Matter, the founder. She calls herself a trained Marxist, and then oh, critics, okay. of, critics of her who hate uh, socialism will keep saying, will keep parading her out, like saying, "Oh, look at socialism! This woman buys three houses, but she's not a serious socialist, and she's not a serious identity politics person. She's just a self-interested." Um, person that you know is out to get the bag like um but i think the difference uh is that and this is one thing that i do think is a weakness of identity politics is that it's easier i think to hide um individualistic self-interested uh narcissistic things under identity politics because you have an you can it's easier to trojan horse your selfishness because if i want something um, it's easier for me to say, uh, like, like say, like say I'm a disabled black gay man, right? And I want something. If I just try to, um, guilt you into giving it to me as an individual, you know, it's very hard to do, but I can pretend I'm fighting for black gay men as a class 
you know, and I could then I could add at the end, starting with me, you know, a good start to show your commitment to the class would be, and I just think it's a very easy way to kind of um, do stuff selfishly. So I, so I don't think identity politics is necessarily this kind of caricatured shell of shallowness that the um, allow socialists painted uh, to be, but I do think um, that it is easier to kind of hide your um, climbing under the guise of fighting for the group. But I don't think these people are really fighting for the identity. They're fighting for themselves. They just use the identity to, um, you know, like uh, to, to give a, to give a quick example. We were talking about uh, the other day. I was having dinner with some friends, and we were talking about how everything now has to be woke washed, and we missed the eighties and nineties, and people could just be like, hey, this is about me. And, you know, like, for example, there was a show called Martin and Martin had this debate with Tisha Campbell and Martin Lawrence where he was apparently uh, sexually harassing her and making her life miserable. And um, she was having problems with the show and they were like fighting. And then all the press was like, you know, Martin Lawrence did, did this to Campbell, Tisha Campbell did this to Martin, whatever. If it happened today, they would uh, be like, oh, the women on set felt unsafe. This is about all women. This is about misogynoir. And Tisha Campbell would give a statement saying, uh, yeah, you know, this is a testament to how black women are the least protected class. And then, you know, Martin Lawrence would um, say something else that was like, you know, as a people, we you know, have too much division and whatever. And we're talking about, we're just missing the days where you could just stand on your square and good or bad, you took the hit. But I think what you're talking about is not real identity politics, but identity politics creates a way in which you can throw stones and hide your hands, if that if that makes uh, sense. But to go back to your two-part question, um, but I never get to answer it. Uh, so Sam Adler Bell had a um, article called Unlearning the Language of Wokeness. And I thought it had a very good definition for um, wokeness because because I feel like a lot of people um, try to lump um, all types of identity politics, including the um, good kind, and try to say it's all like wokeness. So, for example, if you criticize something as woke, they'll be like, are you saying that then you don't like Martin Luther King? And, you know, but I think his definition is good because it helps differentiate the difference between, say, someone like Martin Luther King or Malcolm X and these people. And his definition was wokeness refers to the invocation of unintuitive and morally burdensome political norms and ideas in a manner which suggests that they are self-evident. So it's like, it's kind of a complicated um, cascade of rules and norms and new um, ideas, but at the same time, counterintuitively, you're supposed to just understand them. So it's like, oh, there's all these new rules of pronouns, of gender, of, you know, race and all this, all this stuff. And it's so complicated. You need us to teach it to you and you got to pay us and you got to teach us and you have to run everything by us and whatever. But also we are going to show you no grace for any mistake you make. Like it's 
both burdensome and um, obscure and something that you need us as high priests to explain to you. But at the same time, we're going to treat you like a moron and an evil person if you get even the slightest thing um, wrong. And I think that's what makes a difference between good identity politics and and wokeness. Like, there's a, there's a constant game of um, gotcha and this constant, like, attempt to um, almost entrap you. You know, you, you know what I mean? Like, move the goalposts. Um, have you forever apologizing or subjecting yourself to lectures and looking for new loopholes to lecture you through and 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 acting like this is so difficult that you need to bow down to them but at the same time if you even though it's supposed to be so hard they also act like this is something everyone should just be born knowing you know what i mean everyone should just understand this stuff and so it's almost like if you ask questions, you can almost get get in trouble. So I think that's uh, what I would call wokeness, not just identity politics in general, but this cynical, self-interested, uh, double-bind way of damned if you do, damned if you don't way of weaponizing uh, identity politics for your self-interest. And the reason why I say go woke, go broke, uh, is it, and not go broke, go woke, is because... In these things, the tail wags the dog. And what I mean by that is um, it's almost like a religion in this idea. Like if you think about how a religion works, right? The idea of a religion is if I have this religion and I'm in this small place and the religion is not catching on, like say like Christianity, a proselytizing religion, let's be clear. It has to be a proselytizing. Like it won't work with say like Judaism because that's not a proselytizing one. But say like Christianity or Islam or whatever, if it doesn't work in my backyard, the solution is I just have to keep converting and getting bigger and on a bigger stage, you know, so say with the idea of Christianity, I'm being persecuted. These Romans don't like it. These people don't like it. We're getting thrown to the lions, but we just have to keep growing and growing. And it, the problem is these local people, they're just fucked up people. But any, um, any audience we get with someone powerful, any, powerful benefactor we get any um mass growth that we get might be the one that puts us over and the hope is you eventually find your constantine uh you know your big uh is that is it constantine not constantine what's his, what's his name the one that um adopted christianity for the byzantine empire it's, it's um who who is it who's the one that uh, um, i thought that was constantine Oh, it is Constantine. That is I, right. I could be wrong. Oh, I'm no oh, yeah, uh, wait, I, I expert on the Roman Empire. I know it's found at uh, Constantinople, whoever it is I'm talking about. Yeah, but I mean, you know what I mean? Once they got the guy who um, was the head of the um, uh, Byzantine Empire to um, adopt Christianity, then it became the law of the land and they kind of won. And I think wokeness is like that. It's the, uh, the reason why it's go woke go broke and not go broke or woke is and let's use marvel cinematic universe as an example in a normal results driven capitalist thing right the comics have been going woke and doing all these uh, representation diversity things and been flopping horribly on a small stage the mcu has been making billions and has proven itself to be populist and have mass popularity 
in a normal capitalist way, what would normally happen is, hey, this big chain, this big arm of the com company, the dog, is making all the money. You guys are losing money. You better start imitating the dog. Is in you better roll back all these token characters, all these diverse characters, and fall in line with what makes money. But instead, just like, you know, um, a proselytizing religion, when they see Marvel Cinematic Universe making money and being so popular and earning all this goodwill, they think, oh, this is our chance. Our problem is we're getting persecuted on the small stage because the comics and these small little spaces are full of man babies. You know, the same way like uh, this small backwater of the Roman Empire is just full of, um, you know, hateful people. You know, we need to get on a bigger stage. And because we know our religion is true, because we know we follow the true God or whatever, it, because we have faith, if we get big enough, find the right platform, we get whatever, we're going to win. So... What so what happens is they constantly take they're the bro they're the broke ones. Uh the woke stuff is already broke from the beginning before it even uh starts. And they're almost like a parasite that takes on a host body almost. You know, they keep thinking that this will be the host body that's gonna be big enough to put us over, that's gonna be big enough to, you know, finally put us through and it just never works. It just keeps uh failing. And then, like a proselytizing religion, they just think, okay, this wasn't a good enough host, or this wasn't a big enough platform. The solution is, we need an even bigger one. Uh, does that does that make sense? Like, like um, I hope that I hope that makes sense. But yeah, I've not yeah, seen a case you said yet, a lot but... of lot lot of stuff. It's, I don't remember everything, but um, so before I go, but yeah, I definitely yeah. Think said some good things for sure. Um, so before I go, I did want to say I did see Charlie's Angel and I liked it a lot. But all, but uh, but um, unrelated. Um, do you think now that like studios are kind of like factoring in like some expected like hate of like various diverse characters and just like like immediately calling them racist? It came out like even before the first episode was released. Like the studio was like calling certain people racist because like they they didn't like uh, the character of um, Riva. Uh, I think it's a definite strategy now. I think that's definitely happening, and I think if, if, if you saw that show, I, I don't know if you did see Kenobi. Oh, oh no, no, no! Uh, I saw. We actually spoke about it on Media Massacres. If you listened yeah. to, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I it, really, we I really wish to ever visit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think they're trying to run media the way they run um, startups and tech companies, where there's this idea of. If we get the, because again, if 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 wokeness is like a religion, then the idea is to proselytize and spread. And right now, startups and venture capitalists and tech companies are kind of working almost in the same religious fervor. As in, hey, we're not making profits, but let's just get market share. Let's just get buzz. Let's just be the first mover. Let's be the first people to enter the market. And as long as we grow, eventually the profits will come. But that kind of talk is almost more like a religion. It is like a sound business practice. You know, uh, it just happened to work a couple of times. And there's a 
business-like rationale you can throw behind it, but uh, Silicon Valley very much acts like, um, I think they even have names like Tech Evangelist now and stuff like that. It's a very, uh, this, this idea that if I spread the gospel of this company and just get as big as I can, even if I can't deliver the results. So there's kind of a merger of the two things. Like it almost makes wokeness to me a perfect fit for this kind of startup business ideology because wokeness just wants to spread itself like the religion of the land and these startups run themselves and let's just get big as we can and they will make the money after so they're almost like a perfect marriage you know and i think their idea is reva and the racist argument or, or the lady ghostbusters uh, racist controversy or the ring of power racist controversy is just going to create buzz and dominate the news cycle and it's like the underpants gnome thing from south park like get market share slash um buzz share you know like like get get the biggest share of the buzz and the clout for the week uh question mark question mark question mark is step two and then step three is uh profit and so far I just i don't think it's worked once yet i i think it might work for the first time with little mermaid for some reason i think that's gonna be the one time it will actually that strategy will actually um pay off and all these one time to fuel the next 50 times to make I me try gonna, it, I, I think. I, I, I was going to um, run through an article about uh, Billy Eichner's bros. Now, first of all, T, like, had you, like, before last week, had you even heard of the movie Bros? Because I sure didn't. Like, I, I think the first time that I ever heard of this movie was about a week before its release. I only heard about it because the train station, my local train station has a, uh, a billboard for it on the platform. That's the only reason I know about it. I've not seen a trailer or a commercial or anything. It's just same thing. Um, yeah. If not, for, yeah, if not, like, for that, I, I uh, ad, I would not have known. Yeah, I've been out to the movies a few times in like the last couple of months, and I haven't seen any advertising. Um, what I saw was actually like a YouTube pre-roll, uh, and I was like, okay, this doesn't look all that uh, all that interesting to me. But uh, there was a um, a bit of a kerfluffle about this movie because uh the other uh, lead billy eichner which I, like i don't know that much about the guy um everything that i've i've learned about him in the last maybe like 72 hours has been completely against my will he seems incredibly annoying but uh he he ran a few tweets uh talking about um his experience uh seeing bros uh in in la so he starts off his tweet thread and this was uh this was yesterday at around 5.30. He says, last night I snuck in and sat in the back of a sold-out theater playing bros in L.A. The audience howled with laughter start to finish, burst into applause at the end, and some were wiping away tears as they walked out. It was truly magical. Really, I am very proud of this movie. Very in all caps. Rolling Stone already has bros on the list of the best comedies of the 21st century. What's also true is that at one point, a theater chain called Universal and said they were pulling the trailer because of the gay content. Universal convinced them not to. America, fuck yeah, et cetera, et cetera. That's just the world we live in, unfortunately. Even with glowing reviews, great Rotten Tomatoes scores, an asymmetric score, etc., straight people, uh, straight people, especially in certain parts of the country, just didn't show up for bros. And that's disappointing, but it is what it is. Everyone who isn't a homophobic weirdo should go see bros tonight. You will have a blast. And it is special and uniquely powerful to see this particular story on a big screen, especially for queer folks who don't get this opportunity often. I love this movie so much. Go bros. And it's just like, Dude, I... okay, 
He's getting a lot of grief. You, He's getting a lot of grief for that. I, I, I will. I will say this. I'm gonna say something real quick. When you when I, you say oh like, if you if you aren't if you aren't a fucking degenerate, if you aren't just a piece of shit, if you aren't a demon, if you aren't like brain damaged, like it's like it's like uh like back when you were in grade school, right? And then people tried to be like, oh, okay, okay, so like if you're not gay, do this, and this is like. Okay, like listen, I'm not playing this game. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it just so that you think that I'm like, hey, like I don't really give a shit, right? And it's just like that's a terrible marketing strategy. Like insulting your audience by saying like, hey, listen, like if you aren't like a total piece of shit, go and see this movie. And it's like, well, you very clearly explained that this movie is not doing well because straight people aren't showing up, and now you're putting additional qualifiers like. All right, so if you think that I might be a homophobic piece of shit, I should just not go see this movie. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, totally. And uh, I'm going to keep this short so that Dave can uh, speak. But I'm going to say this. I saw the trailer. The trailer was really, really bad. And one of the problems to me about saying the audience was howling with laughter uh, is that, okay, that audience, that audience must have gone to the movie after seeing that trailer and anybody who will s- go pay money to see a movie after seeing that trailer, I don't trust them because that means these are people who find the trailer funny. So maybe this sh- movie is really good, but a the critics I don't trust because the critics are kind of shows for identity all the time anyway. So it's hard for me to know if I can trust them. And the audience is going to be people who thought that trailer was entertaining. And I don't, uh, trust them so it's hard for me to really know if i should go and see this thing or not but i will say billy eichner's tweet did not help that's that's all i'm going to say and i'll and i'll uh, pass it to date hey guys um i think i might see it a little bit different than you although a lot of crossover for me what it is about when i look at what's going on with the movies that are being produced and the tv shows um to me it's less about wokeness and political ideology And it's more about the structure of the studios. You know, we live in a time now where Hollywood is full of. Oh, oh no, like it was the title is more of like a tongue in cheek thing. Like, I don't I don't actually believe in like go woke, go broke. I think that's like it's 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 incredibly juvenile. But um, I, I did mean when I said like this is thin slicing the audience because you're saying if you're of this particular demographic, you're welcome. But if you're not of this demographic, you may not be welcome. Well, you know it's I mean? also like in 1996, there was a, a movie called The Birdcage. It was starring yeah, yeah. gay actors. It was Rob, a, yeah, Robin Williams and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane, yeah, yeah. This was the number one movie in America in 1996 when the uh, support for gay marriage was under 30%. So the idea that, you know, America is too homophobic for a gay movie is... You know, it's just kind of a bizarre thing to put forward. Um, but I think what it, it comes down to is Hollywood is full of careers and there are not artists who are making these films. And what I mean by that is that telling a story is not paramount to these people. The story now story now has to be fit around other values that are being preached. And that's why people that's why the art isn't good. And that's why people aren't watching it. And I think a perfect example of this, the TV show, um, she-Hulk, you know, recently the oh um, stars from it, um, Titania. I haven't watched the show, and, and I don't care for the show, but, you know, there was a tweet from Titania uh, yesterday that Jamila, came on Jamila, my radar, yeah. Yeah. where she basically says, I don't care that the show isn't popular or good. You know, I'm happy that 
I'm get to be a part of Marvel and meet all these cool people, etc. And what that <laughs> and I got paid. She also mentioned it, and I got paid. <laughs> that's like right, such a bad and, and that's articulating the philosophy of a careerist, not an artist. You know, I'm not interested in the actual quality of the art that I'm working on. So long as I get paid and get associated with people who I think will be good for my career, and but, I think but, that but that's... in a weird way, I appreciate her honesty though, because I I, I rather hear that as as disgusting as it is than hear people gaslight me and tell me no, this actually is good or this is right. funny. It's like oh, no, well, you no, know the thing on the gaslighting that I think is real is that you know people are marketing fan bait in the sense of like you say something that you know is going to piss off the audience and then that causes people to talk about it. I think this is a very real marketing campaign that studios are using right now. And I do think, not for nothing, it's working. If it wasn't for all this outrage, I would never have heard of Bros or She-Hulk or truly any of these uh, uh, shows. Hold, the only reason... Hold on, but is it working? Because it's working for getting the buzz, but it's not working for getting the buzz to translate to ticket sales. She-Hulk is doing the worst out of any Marvel show. It debuted the second worst, and it actually fell faster than the previous worst, which was Miss Marvel, and it was the first Marvel Disney Plus show to fall out of the top ten of the Nielsen uh, ratings, and people are speculating it might be in danger of like you know falling below like uh, a hundred thousand by the end. I think that at... that's a valid point. I think that without all the fan baiting, you have like half the audience. I think that literally the show sucks, and no one would fucking care about it at all. But like the fact that it's now like inserted into the culture war you know to the extent that they have any audience that's kind of where it's coming from the marvel real hardcore marvel fans and the political people who are interested in it for political reasons yeah yeah so 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 it's like it does get the buzz and everything but part of me thinks if he just did a a good show like the people at uh house of dragon i haven't seen it yet but it's gotten a lot of um positive buzz they also changed the race of some characters but they didn't lead with the Oh, we're getting review bomb, trolling, whatever. And then they won over a lot of their haters. A lot of people who kind of went in thinking it was going to be, um, you know, woke lecturing and whatever, um, including the, the YouTube people usually kind of hate uh, that stuff and whatever. The, a lot of people who hate Ring of Power love that House of Dragons show. And people have admitted like yeah. they were wrong about it so part of me thinks if you just did a good show because she-hulk is not a good yeah, show at all for sure man good art will move people it will stir people's souls and good art will transcend any political culture war shit that may be tied in yeah but I... rings of power is a great example yeah you know it's a show that has a, a huge amount of people that love this franchise you know myself included who have looked forward to this show for years it's the most expensive show that's ever been created and what do they do they give it to two creators that have no history ever doing anything and peter jackson came out the man who directed the original trilogy and he said you know they they contacted me i wanted to be part of it i asked for the script and they never got back to me so it's like that's you know, amazing it's obvious these people don't yeah. care about creating art you know and and the last thing i'll say before i bow out another thing that's indicative of this is like feminine characters can only be you know the they're trying to celebrate the feminine art and i think that that's good but the people who are doing this i believe are doing more harm to the feminine than good because these days a feminine character can only be celebrated in so far as she can adopt masculine characteristics and basically be a man better than a man but uh uh, uh not to beat a dead horse but because this is like the uh most transparent 
most transparently bad uh, example. Uh, the She-Hulk is kind of like that. And then she's, she's drinking all the time. She's a uh, girl boss is at her job all the time. She has no hobbies. Uh, and I'm, and I'm like, okay, like a woman who's not like, um, girl boss driven by traditionally masculine values. Do they really feel any type of kinship to like this? You've got to be like, to me, a career woman who is like in her thirties, living in like a metropolitan progressive area who, um, has like some kind of vaguely feminist ideas and you drink a lot and you, you know, do whatever but but there's there's nothing in there that i think like a a girly girl for lack of a better word would actually um yeah well it's corporate soulless you know yes yeah girl boss feminism but yeah celebrate the the true feminism yeah in fact the show often makes fun of like you know uh what people will call maybe a pick me kind of woman you know well well, the thing is that i would say that that is true, but that, that's the false dichotomy that I think these people have between it. You know, to me, the true feminine is chaos. It's it's ever giving. It's love. It's nurture. It's it's wisdom and intuition. It's many things that should be able to be celebrated and lauded and and portrayed. And you know, the original Lord of the Rings I think has great, phenomenal feminine characters that you know portray the light of feminine in that way. Um, that is not masculine, but is not submissive. Um, but to do that these days would just be cringe. Um, so I think that's what it comes down to. It's careers, and there's no artists in Hollywood. So you're better off reading a book or watching YouTube. Uh, so I'll bow out here, but thank you. I agree, but I will add, you're better off reading an old book because the new books are kind of written to be adapted into these movies, unfortunately, because I want to try some of these new books. They're not great. I'll give one quick example of something I just remembered before we go on to Chris. And that's a lot of people don't remember this, but I was reading comics in the two thousands and they debuted the ultimates, which was one of the big inspirations for the MCU. And the ultimates was where they first floated the idea of uh, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury, but Nick Fury in the comics for decades since the 60s has been white and then when they did this rebooted um avengers comic called the ultimates the writer made nick fury black and people forget this now but there was a big uproar in the comics and some of the people doing the uproar were legitimately racist they were just trying to say oh this is not nick fury nick fury's white this is um some pc garbage and some of them would try to hide it with you know other arguments, but some people were just straight up racist about it, and other people were like arguing back and forth, like, what is it about Nick Fury that needs to be white? What is this rebooted Nick Fury thing? But the thing that was kind of interesting was the comic never had this thing where they inside the comic kept baiting and making fun of or taunting the the racist. You know, they never mentioned it. In the interviews, they never mentioned or taunted the audience or whatever. They just wrote the character so well that by the end, people were excited when Sam Jackson actually got the role in uh, real life. And I, was, and I was like, now nobody even remembers. And I bet a lot of those people who uh, were trolling and mad back then, if you were to ask them today, hey, back in the day, didn't you hate it? Like, oh, no, that, that wasn't me. Like, I bet they would even, like, lie about it, you know? And But that's not even an option today. Like, um, in the latest episodes of that show, She-Hulk, right? This thing was made like has been like over a year ago, and they didn't even come out yet. And it's full of 
attacking its haters. I'm like, how can you have four episodes out of seven attacking your online haters and you haven't um, even come out yet? Like, you didn't even allow yourself the option of thinking you might be loved. Like, you just accepted before you even filmed this thing that you were going to be hated, that you were almost determined to be hated. And it's almost a form of self-handicapping. Like, you know, it's almost like, to me, I think, I don't think I'm talented enough to write something that somebody loves. So I want to bake in the excuse in the material before I even release the thing, you know? And I think you're just dooming yourself to lose if you take that attitude, like, of assuming you're going to be hated before you even uh, try. And... Yeah, that's all I have to say. And Chris, by all means, uh, thanks for being patient. I'll go ahead. Hey, T. Hey, Q. This is Chris, a.k.a. Lindsay Fuckingham from the Discord. Um, yeah, you know, I actually, listening to you guys actually got me to go back on my word of not getting Disney+. Plus, and I actually signed up just to see She-Hulk <laughs> and, like, experience this because I was so, uh, um, I was just so curious. And it's complete garbage. Um, but... What I wanted to say is that I find it interesting is that this whole like new diversity stuff that we're talking about the go woke go broke it, it seems like it's just it, it's just like a studio thing, you know where like it's only it seems it seems to me like, I only see it really on the studio level, you know, and I see like on like smaller level pictures like like what annoys me about this whole thing is that there are a lot of like for instance like for female led pictures there's like a lot of smaller level pictures um that i've seen that i've really liked that that i see you know that are like you know written by women directed by women and i'm thinking like what why uh, why can't these movies get the push you know like like i don't understand why are we pushing like this this garbage out there and then blaming people say oh you hate women because you don't like this movie you know And, and it's just like no like like I watched that movie, Bodies. Bo- I liked Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. It's written directed by women, like, but it's a smaller picture, you know. Yeah, I heard great and, things about that, but I feel like a lot I, of these people are such are such climbers and corporatists. They're not even interested in it unless it's uh big. It's one of the weirdest things I've kind of noticed is this shift where now, like, the liberals are the ones who worship at the altar of corporations more than um, you know. A lot of other types, like they all want to work for Marvel, Warner Brothers, HBO, whatever, um, whatever. And they actually disdain like people who work for independent uh, stuff. Like, like they'd rather be underpaid and be part of like uh, this content mill than dare start something on their own on an independent level. It's like these weird. Um, reactionary right-wingers now who are doing all the crowdfunding, independent comics and everything. When, when I was growing up, independent comics were like were like all like the more liberal, anarchist, punk rock type uh, types who were too liberal or radical to work within the big two would do, would do comics. Same for like um, alternative music and whatever. Now like with corporate wokeness, people who, you know, are supposedly aligned with progressive values um, don't want anything more than to uh, shill for a big corporation. And they'll actually make fun of their critics. Like uh, you're just mad because uh, you don't work for Marvel, you know? And it's like, wait, that is not how progressive used to be when I was, when I was coming up, like where they are wearing their 
corporate bona fides as a badge of honor. It's, it's bizarre. Yeah, I just find the whole thing very detrimental because it's like, you know, once again, like, you know, if I see I see a movie that I like, then I'm like, well, why can't you give me more like this? Instead, you give me, you know, for instance, oh, like, oh, like oh, uh... oh, 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 wait, wait, before you continue, I just realized I didn't tie my point explicitly enough to what you were saying. Uh, the reason I brought that up about the corporate boosterism is movies like Bodies, like you say, even though it's pretty good because it's not big enough, they actually won't be interested in it. Because it's good. They'd rather champion something bad, but is uh, high profile than something good that's uh, smaller, you know? So, yeah, that, that, that yeah. was the point I was trying to make. Well, I'm sorry, go yeah, on. Yeah, like, like there was other movies. Like, there was a movie called Band-Aid in 2017 that was written, that was, like, mostly all, uh, written by women, directed by women, all, like, like mostly female crew. I loved uh, Never Going Back 2018. Uh, I like, I don't know anyone else though, but I like Promising Young Woman. I thought that was really good. Um, you know, but instead, like, you know, there's, they push Lady Ghostbusters in 2016. And then, and that movie is like complete garbage. Whereas, you know, you have, I think most of the cast, like Kristen Wiig, I saw her in Skeleton Twins and movie called Welcome to Me, which I thought were really good. And I'd be like, well, why can't we make, like, like, like people, like they're, they're making good stuff, but like the but like the lowest common common denominator garbage is what you get pushed and shoved down your throat as though like ah you don't like that you don't you know i think part of the problem right uh i was talking about this with the actual content of these shows but it also registers in the business um ideology of these shows right is that i feel like a lot of content now that for lack of a better word like you know uh I call I call it new wokeness. There's this idea that the main point of it, uh, you're using the group politics as a Trojan horse to really do two things for yourself as an individual. You want to affirm yourself, you know, um, and to settle scores with your enemies. And in both cases, it's like high school stuff. Like you want to be the homecoming queen as a 30 something year old that you didn't get a chance to be, you know, at your prom, you want to, um, get the quarterback and, um, get back at the cheerleader, you know, but the 35 year old analog to, to that, it, it, it's like, it's like you want to affirm your high school self and you want to settle scores with your, um, high school enemies. And I think, that that attitude not only exists in the content, but it's become part of the larger career move. So it's like, okay, those small but good movies that you're talking about, it's too small. It's not the prom. It would be like if the um, unpopular kids made their own alternative little prom uh, and then go to the main prom. That's not really going to fill that need for affirmation. You know what I mean? And and the other thing is, if if you want to get back at the mean girl Stacy cheerleader, you have to win homecoming queen at the big the big prom. If you want to um, get back at the boys who didn't want to date you by succeeding, you have to be at the big prom. So I think they choose things on this idea of I want to be in the big screen on the biggest IP known on the most known thing. And I want to almost like invade it and force myself on it so that 
you know, I could affirm myself on the biggest stage possible. But there's also this idea, and that's why they're always saying stuff like, oh, this is good because it's going to make the chuds mad. This is good because it's going to make the the um, the white women mad. It's going to make the Karens mad. This is going to make the racists mad. And this is the idea of, like, petty revenge, like, you know, a superficial affirmation and petty revenge. And both of them have to happen on the biggest stage Um uh, you can. So yeah, that, that's where I think a lot of the draw is to hijack the most popular, well-known things and almost hold you hostage. So now you can hear um, my gripes. Now you're forced to look at me, celebrate myself. Now I can like um, taunt you, you know, And it, but at the same time, I actually need you to buy, buy these tickets because uh, I don't want to flop. Yeah. Also, I think maybe uh, to build on what you're saying is that maybe, you know, doing something on an indie level or whatever takes a, you, you know, you have to be more scrappy and more dedicated to it. And that's, and, you know, and you really got to do a lot of the work yourself. Oh, yeah, totally. And, 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 and you have to be good. It's it's very, yeah. I mean, I mean, like, um, from what I see in the She-Hulk thing, if it wasn't the curiosity of me being a She-Hulk fan from the comics who wanted to see this, if these people didn't have any of these characters to lean on in this pre-made universe, it would be horrible. No one would, no one would want to sit through it. It's, it's, it's the fun of watching yeah. them just butcher an established, uh, you know, property that makes it uh, work. Yeah, and that's you know, and that's the only thing that brings you into it, is because. Because I wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't come, you wouldn't watch it if it, as you said, if it wasn't that. But you know, if you're, you know, if you're indie or you're making your own story, it's like you know, you got to run around town and try to get funding and you know, and and make it on a shoestring and do all these things and get promotion. You got to work hard, and it's not just like you know, and it's not the type of thing where you're like, yeah, you got to work hard to sell and promote it, but you also have to have a good uh, product. Like if you had a She-Hulk quality screenplay. You can hustle all you want, your independent project, but as soon as they 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 read it, they'd be like, "What? Did, did a child write this? Like, you know, uh, <laughs> what the hell is this?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I also think that you know, um, just like these people, like you know, I, I think a lot of these. I don't know where Jessica Gao came from, but I know we did talk talk a lot about it. these people come from a lot of like elite institutions and slide right into these jobs based on their credentials. And, and I think it could just be like, you know, it's like, well, clearly I deserve this, this job at this place. I'm not going to work and, you know, do this, this little indie thing. You know, I'm not going to flip the burgers, you know, I, one, I thing, the, the penthouse. one thing they do, which is, and there is some level of truth to it. Maybe not as much as they would like to think or say, because uh, it lets them off the hook, but from hearing a lot of them talk and, also, I use She-Hulk as an example because they put so because they do nothing but make the character a self-insert. It's like watching them just spill the beans and what they think. But um, a big thing with She-Hulk, she always says everywhere she goes, "I bet these white men didn't have to do this, or these white men they just walked in and got." And there's this kind of thing. I'm like, I don't know if you really believe this or if it's something you say to get away with being mediocre. But there's this constant refrain of these white men didn't have to have any competence. These white men were allowed to be mediocre. Uh, these, these white men never had to um, prove themselves. Like, like they, they, they present this, 
and I'm not saying white privilege is not real. I'm not saying that there are not a lot of white men who have gotten through being mediocre and whatever, but I mean, there's too much good art in the world to pretend that every single thing a white person has done has been just, you know, just nepotism or, you know, just because they, they, they have a penis, you know, like, like there's still a level of competition that happens even within nepotism, you know, and, and, and whatever. But I think by painting the whole world that way, it just kind of allows them to just be like, uh, you know, I shouldn't have to do more like like and they paint it as like you're almost asking to be twice as good as a white man by asking to have baseline competence. You know, it, it's a very convenient fiction to live by this idea that everybody with a penis or everyone who's white just uh was handed was handed stuff you know yeah no it rings hollow when your shit's garbage yeah yeah exactly like like having you tell me about how it's unfair when you have to be twice as good when you the project the product (laughs) you're delivering is a quarter as good as anything i've ever seen from any gender or any any race like you know it'd be it'd be one one thing if if you're if your thing was your product was really good and it just doesn't get the push because you're like oh you know no one wants to see this and they just you know throw your movie off to the side but you know you're on the main stage you're getting all you know you have the biggest media conglomerate at your back and you still made garbage so oh, oh I, I just have another good uh female directed female starring movie that was kind of feminist uh, it was called watcher and it was pretty good. I had like a Me Too message about Believe Women. And it was a suspense movie. And it was uh, directed by a um, by a woman. What was that? Is it 2022? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, 20, it's oh, 2022. Yeah. Uh, and it was uh, directed and co-written by um, a woman. And it starred a woman. And it was a very feminist um, movie with this... A message that was an allegory for um, believing, believing women and everything. And the funny thing is, like the movie, I think it was mildly successful. It didn't do uh, huge, but I never read like the people who are actually doing. It was it was an A twenty four movie, I think. I never see the people who actually like are doing talented stuff, even when they flop. Whine as much about um, the mediocrity of everyone else as these people who are actually doing better uh, as far as like their career and they're actually mediocre themselves, you know? Yeah, totally. I'm, I'll, I'm definitely going to check this one out. It's actually on my, my, I looked it up. It's actually on my list, but uh, yeah, just before I go, I swear. Oh, what's great about it too, is 90 minutes. So it's like, it's, even if oh, you don't like it, you it, it's not one of those bloated movies where you saturate like too much of it. It's, it's, it's a perfect length. Yeah. So, uh, one last thing, I'll just want to ask: like, are you guys are you guys gonna do another do a Don't Worry Darling show? Oh yeah, I was thinking about doing. Oh it. man, yeah. Yeah, okay. I was I was thinking of doing it later in this in, in the week. Uh, yeah, Q, if you don't want to, you don't you don't have to. Uh, to oh no 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 no! I, I, no I, listen, the amount of mess going on, like the only reason I know anything about this movie is just because of all the drama and mess. So I. I, I couldn't not watch it. Okay. okay yeah, it's, it's yeah. an interesting be, movie. Oh, I'll definitely call back in then. Oh, cool, okay. cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. I'll talk. To all you right, later. all right. Thank you, man. No appreciate appreciate Bye. it.
Uh, so let's move to the next caller. I forgot to make you a moderator, Q. You never remind me to do that. Uh, here, here we go. Hey guys, what's up? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. sound you sound great. All right, cool. Uh, I had a, more of a question, actually. I know you mentioned having kind of like an accelerationist attitude for things to get better. But do you think at all that like studios are almost accelerationist in themselves? Like it's sort of a deliberate push to sort of have all these bad, like no money making shows so that a couple years from now they can be like, we gave everyone their shot and no one worked out. So, you know, the minorities don't really make anything good or anything. I, I, I'm a little bit like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite that conspiratorial because at the end of the, the day, the, uh, yeah, the, um, the studios still have to like, they still have to answer to their investors. Right. So you, you can't like, you can't just like blow through a series of just like bad, uh, business decisions and be like, well, you know, we just have to get that out of our system because the investors are like, well, you, you didn't have to do that at all. That's true. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the ones making the choices, like Hugh says, aren't doing that, but I do think the people waiting in the wings who maybe are not ascending right now because they're not the, you know, hip things to be, I think they're definitely keeping that in their back pocket for when, or if the pendulum swings back um, to them. So, so I agree with Q. I don't think that the people currently making these decisions are doing it to, you know, deliberately lose money to do this. But I do think the competitors are taking notes and it's like, uh, yeah, once this wave is over and these people flop, I'm going to uh, swing in and um, put, an end, put an end to all this and make all the money and be, it looks like, be look, viewed as a hero to the company. That's my thought. Yeah, that's true. I also saw, I saw Kenny Barris kind of talking about how he doesn't believe in diversity, like writers programs, because he feels like you end up just being like a, a representative for whatever group you're in. And he kind of like recommends people to go through the traditional model of like being a writer's assistant and being in rooms for like several years. And I'm just wondering how can these companies have such a big oversight of not doing that. If someone like him, who's sort of like successful and working with people knows it, I'm guess I'm like just wondering why like a studio executive or why other people in his position don't go like, this doesn't work or there's a better way to like develop talent and we can actually make a profit long-term. Um, there is something that's happening where they want people who are pliant or pliable, I forget what the word is. Um, so like what they do now, they're fast tracking these people because first off, they're being recommended by each other. So people are getting in the rooms and it's like, they don't want someone with too strong ideas or a voice because the kind of IPs and stuff they're putting these people on, they want you. I mean, this is like even pre-diversity. This is happening. Um, a lot of the people who are white and Gen X and established are kind of known for not pushing back. Like, if you ever look at a lot of the resumes of people who are getting work, doesn't even talk diversity because this goes even before diversity. Um, the two people who came on Ring of Power, they came through Bad Robot. If you start looking at a lot of um, these like 
awful people keep getting gigs. Um, a lot of them are like one or two degrees of separation from um, Bad Robot. Uh, Roberto Orkey and Kurtzman. Kurtzman's the guy in charge of uh, Star, uh, Star Trek now. He came through Bad Robot and whatever. And the thing that I've heard from uh, people in the industry uh, that have told me, I have no way of confirming it. I'm not an industry industry insider, but they told me that those people are known for never pushing back on notes. And if you ever think about it, you've never heard of J.J. Abrams for his whole career leaving a project for creative differences. You know, yeah. he even put his name on that horrible part three of the sequel trilogy. You know, they said, hey, we need someone to save this from the mess Last Jedi put in. And we need someone to put in um, the Emperor back. He, he's like, I'm your guy. Like, any note, supposedly any note you give J.J. Abrams, you could tell him to put a flying hippopotamus in there. He will put it in there. He'll fall on that sword at the risk of his own reputation. And everybody who comes up from under him kind of um, does that. So it kind of becomes the point where it almost becomes more important than even having credits if you have too many credits if you have too much of a strong viewpoint you're going to end up actually leaving projects for creative differences you're going to butt heads you're going to push back against notes and these things are too high stake and too high price the execs now want to have a say in what's getting on that screen they that's why marvel's getting all these thirsty neophyte people who just want to break in because they know they're not going to push back against Kevin Feige and Victoria Alonso. Same thing happening with um, Warner Brothers. So either you have to be established, but to be a known stooge like J.J. Abrams, or a new person who's just thirsty to get in. And the best of both worlds is if you're a new person who's desperate to break in and you worked at Bad Robot, which is uh, Rings of Power people. Those two people were... Uh, did uncredited script work on a J.J. Abrams-produced Star Trek thing. And they got to, to run the whole Rings of Power uh, show. So I think now with this new diversity, it's kind of the same thing. They're getting their diverse people from, you know, they're not going to look for like a Spike Lee type or someone with a strong voice. They're trying to get someone who is uh, pliable and new, like Chloe Zhao, uh, Ryan Coogler, um, Ava DuVernay, like people who just kind of Barry Jenkins, you know, they just kind of go go with the flow. That makes sense because even like sitcoms, you hear the writers or like the creators talking about they have to fight with like the censors that they have to fight with their network, and it's weird that like every time I see an interview for like more of a woke show, they're they're like talking about how great everyone was and sort of how. I don't know if the process was smooth, but just kind of it seemed yeah, like they exactly. kind of everyone up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and it does make sense to be a good team player, you know, like like you know, people shouldn't be an enfant terrible or a or a dick when they work, but this is too far in the direction. They just hire people just based on how um much of a booster you are for the for the cause, how how well you're willing to play to play the game, you know? And um I was going to bring um, another example that's kind of happening is a lot of these shows now. Um, I talked about some on the um, my YouTube channel, but for people who don't know, uh, youtube.com forward slash champagne sharks. Uh, everyone go and follow the YouTube channel because talk about this stuff a lot over there. But and I had a recent video about this, but all those people on those Disney Plus shows, uh, if you ever look at the credits, 
they're not showrunners. They're um, head writers. They've replaced showrunners. They've quietly replaced showrunners with head writers. The Netflix shows, the Netflix Marvel shows used to have showrunners. If you look at uh, Jessica Gow's title on She-Hulk, she's head writer. And some places who are lazy with the difference, some places might call her a showrunner, but uh, she's really not. And the difference is, um, in movies, the writer has much less power. Um, movies more of a director's medium. And, you know, as a screenwriter, you come in with the screen screenplay, but the execs and the director and whatever, they're free to call someone else to do a rewrite. They're free to rewrite pages themselves and whatever. They might send you notes and ask you to change stuff, and they might, you know, do all these different things. But um, for the most part, the final auteur and in charge of the uh, final product is the director. But in TV, uh, it's slightly different, and you have something called the um, showrunner. The showrunner is a combination of head writer and executive producer. You have to have both credits to be a true showrunner. Um, so you're the head person in the writer's room who's running the writer's room, but as the executive producer, you also have final say over vetoing and rewriting and, you know, whatever over the directors. Uh, unlike with movies, the director is kind of under the showrunner. Uh, they bring directors in and out to do different episodes but the director's job is more to serve the showrunner's vision and to fit the overall to make sure that their, that their episode uh complies with the overall gist of the season and the show and um what marvel has quietly done is on the disney plus shows they've just put head writers but they don't have executive producer credits or if they do they don't really get to flex them. And what that creates is a system like the movies where the writer, I'm technically the head writer, but I'm still at the power level of a screenwriter in Hollywood. As in Kevin Feige could come in and beat on me at will. And I've just got to swallow it. Um, the directors come in and the directors often like uh, kind of fight with him and, or uh, can, can veto them. So, uh, even though they're called the head writers, they're more they're more kind of like stooges, or they're much more limited in what they can do. And the reason why they're doing that is because now we can push you around the way we can push around screenwriters in in the movie system. They don't want to have the showrunner system where I'm bringing in showrunners. So for better or worse, uh, the Netflix shows had actual showrunners with the actual executive producer credit. And if you notice, they have much stronger individual voices. That is not, uh, yeah, I'm sorry for going on and on about that, but, but that's one of the reasons why you're seeing less credits with these people because established writers don't want to put up with that. And there's an article about this where a lot of um, anonymous writers said, I'm not going to work. I'm an established showrunner. I'm not going to come in to work on a Disney plus show and have to uh, move backwards in my career and status and have, you know, notes from uh, a bunch of suits and, and the directors they bring in are telling me what, what to do. And I'm just kind of uh, following orders, you know, there, there, there are, does, uh, do they have, 
so like whoever is like the newer person who's the head writer there's nobody above them like the, like the person like the kind of person you mentioned who really is running it but it's kind of like training them because i know something like insecure larry wilmore i think is that kind of a person for like insecure or abbott elementary where um i'm not sure about abbott elementary and that stuff but i do know that um i think Issa ray was a traditional uh showrunner i mean i think she might have been a co-showrunner with larry wilmore but um like like i don't think she was getting all those notes or whatever i think she was kind of given her um from, from what i understand it's kind of tough to say a lot of people want to admit um when they don't have power on top of that so but yeah being that insecure is not something that's a huge ip that costs a lot of money and micromanage like marvel that's another reason why I think I don't think HBO people are gonna be sitting there caring so much what she, what she does as long as it's not crazy. You know what I mean? And uh, Abbott Elementary, I haven't done a lot of research on that show. I don't want to just talk just to talk. If I don't know something, I, I like to admit I don't I don't know it. So I don't really know what what's going on with uh, Abbott Elementary. But I mean, she seems to have a lot of um, control from what I because because the thing you have to realize is this this Disney Plus system it's a very new experiment. And people are watching it to see if it'll catch on. But just the fact that it's still kind of experimental and whatever, I I want to assume that Abaddon Elementary doesn't have that in, in place um, yet. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, those are all my questions. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Oh, hello? Can you guys hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Yeah, how's it, how's it going, Robert? I forgot to officially uh, uh, ask you to speak. Sorry. Oh, no, it's all good. Uh, you know, at, I think it was interesting. Someone was talking about how there are, like, good or decent movies that still get released. But I think, what's it, you know, I always wonder, like, in the past, there was also those types of movies, too, that were just, like, complete garbage. But they kind of got weeded out, right? So you don't, never really hear about them. And I also, I wonder to what extent movies like that were, were like that in the past or just like, you know, theaters in general of how, like how many movies were just complete trash that everyone forgot about versus now, I guess, where you have some decent movies, you have some good movies, and then you have movies meant to just be like a part of like the news cycle. Can you repeat that? Can you repeat that question? I'm not sure I caught that. So, you know, I mean, obviously, whenever you release a movie, there's going to be some ones that are good, some are bad, some are flops. And I wonder mm. what portion of movies in the past used to be flops, because I guess, I, you know, for me, at least, I never, you know, I never was like a massive movie person, you know, I never, or like a theater person. But all of the new stuff seems like it seems like it's not worth shifting, sifting through all of the movies that come out now to see which ones might be good. And I would just wonder, like, in the past, you know, I don't know, 30 years ago or 50 years ago, how many movies were just, like, garbage that you just, like, regret? Oh, seeing? I mean, like, like well, uh, there's, a, there, I mean, there's a lot of bombs in the past. Like, one I can think of off the top of my head was um, Spawn. Uh, I, I don't know if you – T, did you see the, the, the Spawn movie starring Michael J. White? No, uh, I never, I no, never saw, I, I, I never uh, saw it. I, I'm kind of meant to see it, but I just never got, a, got around to it. 
Okay. It was bad. It was it was really bad. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Part of the uh, problem with the comic itself was bad. At least the way it started, like it was all nice art, but like zero writing. So that my my bitterness at how disappointed I was in the comic kind of kept me from ever watching uh, the movie. But I'm not surprised the movie is bad because the the source material was just was just bad. I heard it's gotten better since Todd McFarlane stopped thinking he was a writer and he hired real writers. But yeah. I, I can believe it was bad because at the time the comic was bad. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, I, I, like the, the history of like box office flops is like pretty long in the story. It's not, it's not as if like major well, Hollywood flops is like, uh, is unheard of. Like, uh, uh well, that's not what like, I mean. Rob I guess Roy. I kind of mean like as a yeah. proportion of movies. Cause you know, like there's always, there's going to be flops. Some things just aren't going to work, but it seems like a lot. I mean, I don't. Uh, I would say like a lot of a lot of uh, like tentpole action flicks or like tentpole summer blockbusters just absolutely like crashed and burned. That's there, there's a pretty long and storied history of that. I think maybe because we're just so saturated in content, it's like it's it's hard to like. It's, it's like how do you even pick out anything that's actually good now? So I, I can see what you're saying, but I think it, we're living in a, in a bit of a different um media space because back in like the even up to like the early like even up to like the early 2010s you didn't really have um serialized shows or like made specifically for the platform movies that came out on like netflix because that was really like the only player in the game at that time like the only uh real streaming service um around like the 2010s was netflix and netflix had like fucking hemlock grove i'm not even sure if um uh what's it called uh oh my god the one with kevin spacey and robin Wright. one of my uh, house of cards i'm not even sure if, if that had even come out by then i'm pretty sure it hadn't i think that was like 2012 or 13 or something and then as far as like um theater releases you didn't have like this constant churn of product like there was no like universal studios or like I don't know, like Kuroko Pictures or Alliance Atlantis. Like there wasn't this constant uh, churn or phasing in of films that they were announcing. So I, I think we're in a totally different space now. And I, I think also that um, the, the, the thing that Marvel did to, I think probably like break the Hollywood model or like the box office model is give people that didn't have a lot of writing experience or directing experience or give a lot of people with directing experience films to helm, but then like shackle them with the same set of handcuffs, which is this movie's going to turn out exactly how we tell you it's going to like, it's going to paint by these numbers because it ties into these larger properties. I don't know that that's something that has been done, um, especially on this larger scale before. So no, I, I don't think, that there's an era like this previously, but also we're working with a completely different model. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wasn't trying to imply that all movies in the past were old or were good. And I guess part of my point was that yeah. if they were really bad, we're, we're not going to hear about them. No one's talking about them, right? But I, I yeah. think... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I think you're right. Like, I'm not I'm not totally disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, like, it's not... Um, I, th I think if you're not seeing... Um, if you're not seeing, like, parallels in the past, it's because the the model for media has changed completely. Yeah, because 
I get, you know, I think, you know, we, we've all talked about why, you know, movies kind of suck. And I think it's just because a lot of movies now are just kind of made. It's, it's almost like they're made for the news cycle. It's really, it's really strange. It's like, you're not actually supposed to watch the movie. You're just supposed to talk about the movie. And uh, like a significant <laughs> yeah, number of people or, or, who watch or, or, movies, or, or, I think just like want to talk about it. Or the movie's like a homework assignment where like, there's like a reading, reading list that follows the movie, which kind of drives me crazy. Like, like for example, someone, I saw these articles, um, the woman King reading list. And I was, I was like, uh, just make a good movie. Like, like why are you treating every movie? Like it's, uh, us to spark some kind of, um, uh, academic, academic panel. Like, you know, it just seems so, so weird. Um, I'll throw out one thing that might help, um, explain like how things have changed. This is something that, uh, Matt Damon was saying, um, the other day. I mean, a lot of people have been saying how with the economics of Hollywood, they've become very risk averse. And, um, Matt Damon was, was talking about this recently and he was saying how, Something that used to happen back in the days was it was a thriving DVD market and what they call an aftermarket, uh, where after the movie came out, you know, there's VHS rentals, there was DVDs, there was all this stuff, and the economics of it was much uh, better for the studio. So you could have something like uh, Rounders or the first Austin Powers, where they didn't make that much in the theaters, but I think I think Austin Powers might have made more money on DVD and, you know, through like all the good word amounts of DVD than it did in the actual theatrical run to the point that, you know, it got a sequel that made way more in the theater than the first one because the um, DVD aftermarket was um, so good. But now with um, streaming and how streaming is so crowded and also streaming doesn't make that much money for the studio. Like when you watch it on streaming, they don't make as much money as they used to make when they used to sell physical DVDs and have DVD rentals. Um, Matt Damon was like saying how people don't want to risk anything that won't make money in a theatrical run. Because um, if you don't make the money in the theatrical run, you're just not going to make the money. There's no aftermarket to actually recoup the money recoup the money from there's no second or third life for the movie so then it becomes safer to just use the big name use the big ip use the um sort of constantly looking for like the safest thing but i think paradoxically that fear of risk actually makes the movies um ironically do a lot worse even if they um get a lot of attention or maybe do good in the short run. Like, you know, they, uh, people get disappointed and maybe underperforms compared to what they thought it, w it would do. I don't know if that at yeah, all. Well, I think that's got to do question. With the, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's got to do with the fact that they don't make new IP because you have to have talent to make new characters and new stories. So you can't, because yeah, if you make but, a new but, character, but also it, you risk. can actually market that. You, you, you can license out, I don't know, some, some weird product or something, but 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 you gotta you gotta think about um this too right uh first off new ip is a risk that's that's the first thing right um but the second thing you gotta kind of think about is who's in charge of movie companies now right uh, when you look at the old studio heads there were people that had interesting lives like they were some of, some, some of these people they were like uh eastern european 
the, the children of Eastern European immigrants, and they had like interesting like careers. Like they were in the fur business, and they lived on the Lower East Side, and they tried two or three things, and they heard about this movie thing, and they tried that, and you know they thought they saw the future in that. Like you gotta be an interesting person to kind of be a futurist like that, and you, and the life experience or whatever. And then when they became the head of the, the movie studio, right? Even though they were technically a suit. All they did was movies. That was their job. So these people, like when I was reading about the making of Gone with the Wind, uh, uh, Selznick had a lot of say into, you know, the movie because he's been doing nothing but overseeing movies since he's been there. You develop a aesthetic sense. You develop a sense of what makes movies work because even though you're you're an executive – you're intimately involved in all these phases of movies, and you've been there from the beginning of this as a whole medium. You know what I mean? So these suits would actually give a lot of input that would help the movie, um, or they actually like cared about. Uh, but they also had a, a vocabulary for the for the craft. They understood. Yeah, because they weren't financial. The they weren't just like a financial executive who are in control, and they're trying to minim. You know, they're trying to do like you know statistics yeah, exactly. to get. Did I just, yeah. They're not just bean counters. They're not just someone who just came from There's someone who actually from, uh, or school. someone who actually watches movies. They want film. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's all for their whole lives. Well, it is yeah. a business, but now the person Oh yeah, totally. Now the person who's head of a of a, of a movie studio, he's someone who uh just grew up and went to a good school, went to Stanford, went to Harvard, went to um, you know, uh Wharton, graduated and became an MBA. Um, you know, and is now installed as a bean counter. He might have come from like three or four different industries. He might have been the head of um, a gaming company. He might have been the head of an of uh, something totally unrelated. He might have been the head of electronics. Like Sony might have moved him from the electronics division to the movie division. They might he might have moved this guy from X, Y, and Z division to um, whatever. Like when you read these people's resumes. Movies just one of the many departments that they've ever run. So he has someone like that, right? Yeah. Well, I you mean, put him in charge of movies. Let's finish this real quick. I'm almost done. This person has no aesthetic taste or sense to if a new IP comes his way. He's never been creative. He has no good taste. He doesn't even have any hobbies. This person, if you ask him, are you a fan of anything? He, he's not a fan of comics. He's not a fan of Lord of the Rings. He's not even a a hobbyist as a, as a fan, he has no ability to tell what a, a good new IP is. All he can do is just go with what's popular. Like Lord of the Rings. Hey, I don't understand what makes art work, but I heard of Lord of the Rings. Give me that. Or, or what they'll do is they'll delegate to somebody that they're told is someone smart. So they'll be like, Hey, I have no, I, I, I bought star Wars. I know star Wars is popular. I don't have the aesthetic taste or ability to spot the next big thing. Like, if we look at stuff about people like Robert Evans or producers like that, these have an instinct or an ability to kind of say, there's something here. I want to invest in it. I think this is going to be, uh, you know, really big. Like the people who saw the potential in Star Wars and those stuff, you don't have studio heads like that because they don't have any sense of the art. So what they'll do is they'll just buy something that everybody heard of, right? Um, they'll be like, hey, Star Wars is popular. That's made a billion dollars. Um, let me, let me do the bean counting. That works. Okay. I have no idea what makes something good or bad. Uh, JJ Abrams, that's someone that I'm told is good. Um, 
this guy won't know J.J. Abrams meshes with Star Wars. If he understands Star Wars himself, he's a fan of it. All he knows is Star Wars is the safe bet IP. J.J. Abrams is the one that everyone tells me is the one that you give reboots to. So have at it. Um, make me a million dollars. I mean, make, make, me, make me a billion dollars. And I think that's why the new IP doesn't get uh, developed. The people in charge have no ability to judge anything. They have no interesting hobbies. They have no personalities. They have no training or um, experience in the arts. They're just dry, boring business people who are installed there and and just have to deliver to the shareholders. And they don't understand anything about what they're in what they're in charge of they just try to delegate to people but they're so unskilled or inexperienced in this thing that they can't even pick good like not only can they not tell good properties they can't even they're not even qualified to pick good stewards like like they're not good enough to even know wow jj abrams is a hack that that's how unskilled uh they are yeah, I mean, I think the yeah, way it works it. is, you know, the people like that are in charge of the company or like, you know, these theaters, they see the safe IP as like the best, safest way to make money. And then they hand it off to someone who's essentially a, a yes person. And the yes, you know, they tr they get basically exactly. like a sec, like a second grade, like writing prompt. And that's how they kind of treat it. But I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's pretty well established. These are just people who's like they make they make their business their personality you know they make their job their personality they make they don't like they don't actually do things they just have like personalities and that's i mean i think that's why they can't write anything just check your messages real quick okay cool yeah but sorry go ahead yeah 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 it's so 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 it's like um you know i think they they are uh this is the problem with life in general right now is that it's a society of managers and it's like uh the uh it's kind of a cliche in like leftist circles like a professional managerial class but i do think the management aesthetic has kind of taken over everything so it's like everyone just wants things to have hierarchies of management so it's like um jj abrams is not a auteur or creator like george lucas george lucas has his flaws as a creator like for example he's horrible dialogue and he's horrible at directing like, human beings, but he does have visionary. He's good at world building and he's good at uh, the philosophy part. He has some kind of artistic talent. I think the people in charge of the studios now are just managers. Then they hire JJ Abrams, who's just basically uh, very corporate and managerial in his thing. And it's just like a hierarchy of, yeah, it's, 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 it's whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm part yeah. of like the, let's, let's have normal people do things movement instead of all these like weirdos because because normal people i mean at the very least they'll get bored and when they're bored they'll like want to do something creative or interesting just even from their own perspective these people don't i don't think they try i i remember way in the beginning you said that like who was, this, was it like something eichner i don't remember this guy's name who, who did that that movie in the beginning you're talking about like the uh, yeah billy oh, eichner, oh, billy yeah. eichner. Yeah, when you talked about like rotten tomato scores, and like I swear to God, if I have to hear rotten tomato scores in reference to like any movie or film again, I'm gonna just like I don't know. I should just mute that word on on Twitter. But it's why would you care? It's such like an obvious scam. Like who? I don't know. Like do people look at rotten tomato scores and like to judge a movie? I, I haven't experienced that, so I don't know. 
Oh, a lot of people do. I I, I know people who are who are like that. It, it drives it drives me nuts. Like they'll be like, "Oh, I want to see this movie at a good Rotten Tomato score." Yeah, it totally. I mean, I don't think it's without its merit. I'm not gonna say it's totally valueless, but I have met people who that's the beginning and ending for evaluating um, a movie, which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just kind of valueless. But I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it's like become overweight. Yeah, I agree. It's become way more important than than it should. I, like, I don't think it's totally without merit, but I do think it's uh, the importance of it has become really out of control. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just want you know normal people to write movies. You know, you're talking about like those employees that were like cause like they only cause problems in their companies, and then they get surprised when they get fired. And it, you know, I mean, the way I don't know, like it's. I you know if I was evil I could scam those people out of so much money because they're just so gullible. Oh, I'm like, sure. I should, you know I'm surprised they're not on lists. <laughs> they probably are on like scam lists. You know like the ones they pass around. <laughs> people just share. Yeah, exactly. I, I like it's so yeah. gullible. If you just want to crank out content with no like uh, you know like no 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 trouble, just hire these people. Well, you know that's kind of what the businesses do, right? I mean they just they they look for the yes people. They look for the ones who won't push back, and that, they're just I mean they're kind of scamming them in a way because. Like, I, I feel like a lot of those people do genuinely want to do good art, but they just they're they're just too stupid to get on the path of like learning how to make it. Like they never they never got honest criticism or the criticism they got was about you know following the rules in in the movie rule book or I don't know. But also, if you think it doesn't, it, ex- it doesn't exist, but well, well, but also if you think it honest criticism. They just disregarded it in favor of the sycophantic uh, response. Like, yeah. like they just found. Well, that's a way because they're to... not normal, and they make it their personality. Yeah. Yep. Versus a lot of you know good directors have actual personalities, and they don't make their. I mean, they might be directors, but they're... it's not like the only thing they do. I think also the kind of person. I mean, uh, anyone in here who's worked in a corporate environment, I'm sure, understands and can agree about how a lot of times. The person who does the best job at getting promoted uh, isn't the person with the most interesting ideas, but it's the person who um, knows how to mesh with the automaton on top, but also take credit for other people's ideas. You know, so so it's like I do think there's creative people out there, but I think they're getting a lot of their ideas stolen. I think they're getting or they're um, working on teams with uh, the people who get promoted and the people getting promoted are finding the ways to be alone with the people on top and letting them think that they are. Uh... And now with stuff like Twitter and social media and, and stuff like that out there, stealing is easier than ever. Like, you know, there's, there's people who are just hacks who are just stealing um, interesting tweets and threads and think pieces and, making a series about them you know what i mean and they're just yeah like people will post like their own personal edits or like plots online and they don't put any like uh i don't know uh, copyright protections on it at all and someone just takes it yeah it happens all the time oh yeah 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 totally totally or even the person just like you know sharing a funny thread that they just you know uh they're not trying to make a movie they just they're just sharing like you know funny um ideas and and uh you know they're trying to make a viral threat they have no aspirations of a screenwriter but a lot of these screenwriters are there just um taking notes and just uh sourcing and a lot of times when they do it it won't be as funny because uh 
they don't have a they don't have a personality. They don't even know why the story is funny. It just knows well, viral. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, well, I mean, they're just shameless. That I mean, you're talking about people who are just you know ass lickers at work, and that's how that's who gets promoted. I mean, usually it's just people who ask, and it's the sh- most shameless people there, right? But uh, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't have too much to say. I, I think I'm going to end on on this. But you know, hashtag normal people be in control of things. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, well said. Th- thanks, Robert. So uh, we're going to end it with uh, uh, Colonel Qaddafi and and Geo. So um, I just want to let people know so that if you come up to the queue, I don't want you to be surprised if you don't. Uh, get to speak. So I just want people to know, I, I, I'll reiterate it uh, later on, but again, um, go to youtube.com forward slash champagne, champagne sharks. Please subscribe to that YouTube, hit the notification bell. Um, a lot of the industry stuff that I was talking about today, like uh, I flesh that stuff out over there. If you find it interesting. Hey, Kirk, Colonel COVID. How's it going? What up? Higher than Russian gas prices, but I'm good. <laughs> okay, there, there, there you go. Uh, have you ever but, called? Uh, have you ever have you ever called in that high? Oh, every other time I do. Okay, okay, cool. All this right. is the first time I actually called in high. Okay, no, no, no. You said you were high in the past. Uh, I'm pretty sure you said it, but uh, oh yeah, there was that one other time, but that was because someone died in my family. So yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry to hear that. Oh, sorry to hear that. Eh, say love you. Anyway, on to my point. I didn't like the guy very much, so. <laughs> but anyway, getting to my point. Um, two things I wanted to bring up. Number one, and this is just my prediction, I want to hear from someone who is, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm trying to ask for, for a different perspective. And someone who is slightly older than me who saw a different perspective on this era of movies, but uh, does it ever feel just a little bit like what's going on with the MCU now and all this other like constant like grind out does it ever remind you of like in the early to mid 2000s when it seemed like every goddamn movie made was like a PG-13 movie just to sell the kids and that had its had its you know time but eventually you know it fell out of favor something replaced it does it I'm not asking what's going to replace it. The first question is, does it, does it, what was your perspective on how all that went back then? Cause I know mine, but I wanted to know yours cause it does remind me. I, I think it went, I think it went pretty well. I, I feel like Stranger Things is an attempt to kind of capture that, that era of that PG 13. No, stuff, I mean like but... the era of like PG 13 from like 2000 to about 2008 about i want to say 2008 just because like you know mcu started then but you know what i'm talking about like when like oh that part i'm not sure i need examples um i can't think of too many movies but like remember when like every action movie for a while was like pg-13 but not like now pg-13 it was like it was like action movies but it was hyper violent only difference was nobody said fuck and no one bled You, you remember what i'm talking about does anyone anyone clicking in my head about this remember what I'm talking about? It's like like when the Fast and the Furious series first started. Um, like do you mean stuff like Jeepers? Do you mean stuff like Jeepers Creep? Was Jeepers Creepers like rated R? Like, or is it Scream? No, no, I'm... no, Geo. Bad Boys doesn't count. Both of those were rated R. <laughs> okay, Especially yeah. With... I, can't, I, I can't remember then. Um, but, yeah, I, uh, I need, I need examples. Of, um, 
American Pie era. Let's go with that. Okay, okay, I can't remember that. Yeah, like remember when that, but then at the same time, all the action movies around the same time were like clearly aiming for that same crowd. Like, I can't use Bad Boys obviously because it's like two rated R movies, and also I think it's pretty obvious. But like, the second movie is clearly written by um by uh shit, what's his name? The guy who you you know what I'm talking about. Um, it's clearly that it was written by the director and the first one wasn't because the second movie turns, Michael Bay, turns into like a fucking Call of Duty game in the beginning, if anyone remembers that movie. Yeah, 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 with the, with the Haitian uh, shootout. But actually, I, no, I, not I, the I, Haitian I, shootout. I'm talking about when they roll up on the KKK like they're fucking Call of Duty Marvel oh, Warfare. Okay. That part where they're like that. the fucking swamps. It's like, what the hell is this? What kind of PD is like armed like this? But then I think about it uh, you know, it's 2022, and that's pretty much every PD now. But you know, I digress. I leave. Okay, so leads my, that leads to my second yeah. question. Mm-hmm. And I this is more for Q. And I, he brought up a very good point about like non regular people making these. I don't know yeah. how to word this exactly, but uh, first things first. Shout out to Amber Frost. She's the one who came up with the term professional manager class. Uh, but how long? Uh, she didn't make she she didn't she didn't make that term. I mean, she popularized yeah. it maybe under their back left, but it's a existing uh, sociological term. Okay, I stand. Was that was that not uh, wasn't that Barbara Ehrenreich? I believe so. The one who she she passed she passed away recently. She wrote this book Nickel and Dimes, which actually I thought was really good. But uh, I'm pretty sure it was Barbara Ehrenreich who coined it. Hey, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But going to the point I'm I'm trying to make here, Q, is like, how long, how long, not even how long, but I'll just cut to the point. What do you think it's going to look like when we're, when it's inevitably shown to the studios that they can't rely on like these, like, this is like these esthetes, these like giant, like apple polishers. When are they going to realize that like, because my theory is going to happen is like some like canon group film studio is going to start up, start up and like, and that's going to be the thing is going to be like this insanely right wing stuff in Hollywood that's making money and that's what's going to scare them. That's my theory, but that's psychotic. But I I don't know. Like I I don't have any particular inside Hollywood knowledge. I do think that like. We're we are nearing the point. Not even like inside. Just what do you in your mind? Would you think? Uh, no, I I think I think we're like we're nearing the point of exhaustion now. Like it used to be that I don't know when when um. But I'm questioning when, what does exhaustion when look I, like to you? What is it going to look like in active mode? Like when we see it happen, like the flashpoint. Well, when people just stop watching this shit, like <laughs> that's pretty much what that's pretty much what happens. I well, the reason I, I'm I, asking, well, the reason I'm asking you is because the reason I. I'm questioning is because like in in past eras of Hollywood, when some major era ended, there was always something that happened, like a studio went away or a director got blackballed or somebody died or you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, but but you know, uh, real real quick, um, I think you have to let you answer the question because you keep asking asking him the question. And, and, oh, and I just wanted to answer. like clarify it a little bit more. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll answer it real quick to what Q said. Um, I uh, Q said when um 
people stop watching is when it's going to stop. But people already aren't watching a lot of this stuff, you know, except for the stuff that has a lot of built-in good, yeah. like, like like the Marvel stuff. So I think it's when people stop even talking about it. You I know, think you they're know, ra- that... I think they're rapidly squandering their goodwill, though. Like, yeah, I, I think, I think, yeah, I think Jamila, are. I think Jamila Jamil, like going off on that one person. Which I don't think that's happened really with any like uh, any Marvel property. Like it's happened a lot for movies and TV shows, but I don't think that I've seen that happen with a Marvel property where, like the one of the lead actors gets into a back and forth with fans and is just like, ah, well, you know, say what you want, but I, I, you know, I got mine. Like I haven't seen that yet. So I, 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 wonder, yeah. I wonder to what extent like this is getting passed up the flagpole and somebody's saying like, okay, we we really got to pull back on this. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I think um, either the buzz is going to be so negative that it's not even worth trying to spin, like, you know, as for, uh, a victim narrative out of, or they just they, they just stage a pity party and no one shows up. Like, they do one of those, hey, this new uh, black actor or actress is being attacked by racist trolls and no one bites at the bait. I think... That's what it's going to have to be because they already have a lack of eyeballs for a lot of this stuff. But they keep feeling like as long as we can get buzz, sooner or later, one of these buzzes is going to turn into um, eyeballs. So so I think it has to be a combination of people stop watching, but they also stop even arguing about it. Like, uh, like, like I, I remember when uh, Madonna one time tried to bait the Catholic Church in 2000. And the Catholic Church was like, uh, we find her boring now. And it was like, it was like the most devastating response they could have given. Like, they, they were like, uh, we're not going to fall for the bait anymore. Uh, she's a tired old woman. And it was like so devastating when they did that. They they refused to go for her. And it was okay. The lack of prayer era is not working. They kind of realized that we're um, just fueling your thing. But I feel like I don't know if people are going to stop talking about it because the media is so incentivized for clickbait. Um, I, th- this is what I think might happen, Q. You tell me what you think. I think the people who are incentivized to keep this going, like the Kotakus, the um, you know Colliders and all that stuff, their business model is going to have to fail too. So it's like um, all the shill sites, comic book resources, and... Um, Entertainment Weekly and all that stuff, it's going to have to not be worth their time anymore. Like, you know, they're going to have to have a lot of layoffs, a lot of uh, whatever. And once that in-house shill system, I think, is gone, then I think they're really going to be... They really got to find another way to make money, I think, or a different model. Yeah. I... I, I... I don't know if it's going to take the, like, Kotaku, uh, Collider, like, uh, what was it, like, comic book review and, or screen rants and all these other sites going out of business. I think that, like, um, I think what's going to have to happen is that uh, studios can't depend on the excitement that those sites drum up to translate into box office returns. So it's not that they have to go to business. It's more like they just, like, they have to lose their influence. There's unfortunately just like a lot of people that just read this shit and will just like go out and mindlessly consume this content. But I think we're getting to a point now where like people are, I don't know. There, there's, there's a difference between like 
like phase one of the MCU, which was actually kind of hokey. Like the first Captain America movie, the first Thor movie, like they weren't really all that great. Um, but people had something to look forward to. So there was like, there was better times ahead. Now, I, I don't think we really have that. We, we don't have like anything that we can look forward to in the MCU, but I don't think we really have anything that we can generally look forward to in, in movies at all. Uh, there was like that smile movie that, that just came out, but like, I, I'm, I'm actually seeing a little bit of apathy towards like the new Black Panther movie. So I, I, I think it's going to end up being where because we don't have anything to look forward to, like we don't really know what phase five of the MCU is going to promise. That, that's so exciting to people that we just have to watch all of these movies and the streaming shows. It's, it's now, so previously it was like you get content and there's like, you would get like, uh, let's say like uh, an Iron Man movie or you get like a new Captain America movie. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like it's something to look forward to. And now it's just like coming at your slop, you fucking pigs you sows you know what i mean like they're just, they're just dumping out content for people to consume and it's just it's tasteless it's it's gruel basically yeah that was my question right it's like when the ip is eventually done like what's what's next like when the ip like like when you can't make like a fifth stories movie or like another tenth like a riddles movie like what's like what's next for them exactly like what can they like what's like what's their next plan if they can't make- Something interesting to me was I went to see um, Don't Worry Darling at uh, Alamo Draft House, and it was not a great movie. Um, you know, it was, it was whatever. But I saw like three or four trailers for upcoming movies that actually looked good. And I was like surprised. And I was like, is it just because it's Alamo Draft House? So they're just being pickier about um, what they're putting in front of the movie or are things that getting more interesting, like, like that, you know, people just running out of, um, IP to mine and, and suddenly like people getting desperate enough to try, uh, interesting things again. Cause it was a movie with, um, Woody Harrelson. That was like a class warfare movie. It took place on a, on a ship. I forgot the name of, of it, but it looked like it was going to be, uh, pretty interesting. Oh, oh, a triangle of sadness was uh, what it was called. And I have no idea if it's going to be good, but I mean, the trailer looked good and I was pretty surprised. And there was some other ones. I wrote down the names. I don't have them handy, but uh, I was just, it was a bunch of interesting trailers and then uh, Black Adam, which did not look, did not look interesting. There was, there was still one uh, piece of IP in there, but uh yeah, that's too small a sample size to say as any larger trend. It could, it could have just been a uncharacteristically good lineup of. Uh, oh, 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 there was a Korean movie that was being um, advertised by the director of Old Boy, and that trailer looked really, really good. That was the second one, and then um, I'll have to look at my list of remember what the other two. I remember back uh, when? Um, remember uh, back when Apple used to be like like the like. Apple used to basically like own movie trailers in the sense that like you would go to, uh, I forget what the name of this QuickTime site was. Uh, it might've been like apple.com slash trailers or something like that. But basically like you could just like go see like all of the upcoming trailers for films. And this was like back around the, like uh, the mid two thousands and carrying on from there. And I think YouTube just kind of like um, YouTube kind of, you know, annihilated it. But 
yeah, there used to be a time where I would just like look forward to like checking out movie trailers for uh, for upcoming films, and now I and the thing is, the thing is, I'm somebody who really likes movies, and I find it so difficult to get excited about anything. I mean, yeah, I think I think Twitter has like ruined movie watching for me, right? Like, I used, to, I mean, I, I mean, I used to love. I mean, I love watching movies. Like, I love like like I love watching bad movies. Like. Like they're bad to some people, but like they're really good, good to me because I enjoy like some aspects of the movies. But like with Twitter, like you can, like there are no good slash bad. They're just bad movies. There's no there's no middle movie that you that you, that you, that you can like and enjoy without like some bullshit. Like I mean, I used to miss those. We can just watch movies. I don't that. think it's Twitter per se. I think like Twitter is Twitter reflects a change in mindset, um, and that's that. It became impossible to actually critique movies. Yeah, right? yeah, like, every, like, yeah. Like no, nobody actually. Like, I think like there's only really two. I think I've said this before, but like, I only consider there to be two movie critics like that I'll actually pay attention. Well, maybe three. Barry Hertz, uh, from the Golden Mail, as well as uh, John Stanley from the Golden Mail. Who, by the way, T, we should ask him to come on sometime. Um, and Armand White, and that's it. I, I just, I will not listen to anybody else's opinions on films yeah yeah i like him i like him a lot oh so so here's a movie that saw uh, the traders look good too one is called the menu and that one looked um pretty interesting i'm gonna see that the menu decision to leave was a korean movie and then the other movie was uh triangle of sadness which looks good but i know it's gonna become very annoying on left twitter because it's about class and any movie that remotely oh, discusses class Left Twitter just exaggerates, annihilates. In a, in a, yeah, 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 like, yeah, like, like, uh, I, Parasite, like, the Joker. People um, still do this shit about that... Parasite, and it's like if you actually watch Parasite, it says something that I don't think a lot of people on the left caught, which is that like, no, what Parasite Parasite doesn't uh, describe class warfare. What Parasite says is, well, this is what happens when you have like the rich class and the poor class interacting directly with each other without the buffering middle class. Yeah, I mean, in in general, I feel like as long as the movie addresses class at all, um, yeah. uh, left Twitter just goes a little too crazy. And they don't even care what it says, honestly. Like, the way they're trying to act like Joker had any deeper meaning as far as, like, uh, populism. I'm like, this um, this guy is just karaoke-ing um, Taxi Driver. Uh, the yeah, the, the, director of, the director of Bachelor is not thinking deeply about class in any in any, in any way. Uh, same with uh, how they did Knives Out. Like, like they tried to turn Knives Out into some kind of deep class yeah, I movie. I tried to watch Knives Out. It was, like, I couldn't, like, watch, uh, what's his name? James Bond's, like, his voice was very annoying. I couldn't go with the movie, so I stopped watching it. Yeah, I'm not even saying these movies are bad movies. I just hate, like, how whenever a movie discusses class, uh, yeah. left Twitter exaggerates its profundity out the gate. That's, that's the part that uh, drives me. So this this trying, this 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 uh triangle of sadness movie is very very much about um you know the ultra rich in class so i'm 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 getting ready for uh people to really be obnoxious about uh praising it but it does look good that's not me saying it's going to be bad i'm just saying the discourse of it around it i thought parasite was good i just thought the discourse around it was obnoxious but i did see what i hope is a sign that um good movies are 
coming. Uh, Kamaria asked something, how does A24 function in the current climate? The reason why they're able to function is because they have a very strong uh, brand slash aesthetic, right? So, th so they kind of have like a cult following or a very like, you know, popular brand, but they can make movies for cheap and they don't have to be, they don't have to make as much, they, they have a good formula, a good system, and, and they have a brand that people feel loyal to and aesthetic people like. So it's like, um, they can make a lot less money and, you know, be um, profitable or popular. Like they've become kind of like the cult um, luxury product or, or, or the niche, the niche, the niche product, you know, they don't have to make a lot of money to be, um, successful. They don't have to put like huge stars in it, you know, where the cast is eating up a lot of the budget and a 24 itself has kind of become, uh, what Miramax was like, like the, the Disney of indie, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, I thought Netflix. So, I thought Netflix was gonna be like the indie stream service, like like what like, like, you could like just like give people money just to make their own like IP, and but like it just turned into like but like Netflix is just like I don't know, like just made, made everything look cheap for some reason. Like yeah, I thought it was gonna be like that. Yeah, everything service. does look cheap. That that is true with with Netflix. Yeah. Because I thought it was going to be like the envy. Like, Here's the thing with Netflix. I don't think that it looks cheap. I think that everything is like everything is visually too similar. Like yeah. there's no Netflix doesn't have a particular style. You know what I mean? I mean, that's like I, think, I mean, that's like most of like, 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 like MCU looks like like it was looks like commercials, like, 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 like well commercials, but like, like the three hours long, they kind of all look the same to me. And all, it, it all looks kind of cheap, like if you think about it. But like I was, but I was gonna say right. So you, you brought up how Tatiana, the actress from like uh, the Hulk, said that all this was to her was like, I guess like like, like networking. Like she could just like meet people, like get just like get. Oh no, no, that wasn't. Uh, that was that was Jamila Jamil. Tatiana Maslany, I think, has been fairly gracious so far. Oh. Of yeah, this is this is what happened. I think kind of confused people. She changed her uh, Twitter handle to Titania. Titania, yeah, uh, oh, uh, which is okay. which is the name of her character. And I think people started thinking that Tatiana Masli, Maslani uh, uh, said it. But yeah, it was, it was Jamila Jamil, but she did change her name to Titania while she was tweeting it, and I think it led to a confusion that people thought Tatiana. Say, like that makes makes sense for for all, for all the writers and like and like and the uh, Hulk. Like it's all like a networking thing for them, like right? They just like they just get like put their names on projects, and they get and they and they get like credits for them, and then they get paid. It's 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 it's, it's hustle. Like it's like hustle people. It's not like it's not like yeah. One one of the writers is Dana Schwartz, uh, who like, we got into a little argument on on Twitter. It wasn't a huge one, but you know, uh, she writes it like. I kept saying before how the show feels like it's written like as Disney Channel for adults. But then I looked up her resume and looked up her books and she's written uh, two or three YA books and a memoir. And she's like, like 25 or something. So even the memoir, I'm like, why are you doing a memoir that young? Like, what if you know that's so notable that we need a memoir? So I'm like, the memoir is probably just going to be a bunch of high school and, and, you know, college stuff. And then when I read Sasha interviews with her, she was talking about advice she'd give her high school self. So then I'm like, 
okay, this is why the show is so childish. Like you've done nothing but YA, and then you've just been promoted with no writing credits uh, in, in terms of screenwriting to um, write something about an adult woman, and you're not even that age yourself, and your life is mired in thinking like a child. Like like you're you write YA all the time. Like not saying people who write YA can't switch and do adult stuff, but I mean, she tweets childish. Her novels are focused on, um, you know, tweens. And now she's suddenly going to try to um, write something that's not that and it's not not working. So I think that's a big problem, too, is that I don't know when and where it happened, but YA has become dominant aesthetic for literature, where even, like, adult novels feel like... um, YA for post college crowd, you know, it doesn't feel like an adult, an adult novel, and and that's kind of ruining the tone of everything. Everything feels like a YA novel or a Disney Channel thing for adults. Yeah, I so want to blame Harry thing. Potter. Yeah. So one last thing. So did you? So like, I I want to like the new like Black Panther two movie. Like I've said, like I want to enjoy watching it because because I. Because I this is the thing is that I I enjoy I like enjoy watching movies I like I like action I like so I mean I it's I like the sex movie I, I think I think it can be cool but I want to enjoy it without like Twitter being annoying about it I, I, I mean that's it that's what I want to say I have one little complaint about the Black Panther thing if they were going to race Ben Namor. I just don't understand why I didn't choose an Asian guy. I think it would have totally worked. He really well, here's, like, uh, here's the thing. Like, I don't like Namor doesn't really have a race no, in the he's, he's, he's a face of my in the comics. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah. But it's like you can't really like tell what sort of bat. Like, I actually, I I always sort of visualized Namor as like. I don't know from like the South Pacific. Like I, yeah. I, I thought of him as somebody who was like uh, I don't know, like Oceania. So maybe more like uh, I don't know, like like Maori or even uh, yeah, like Indonesian or something. This is ripped Asian actor. Um, I'm gonna get his name. He looks so much like Nimor from the comics. Like he has the the brow, the cheekbones, and and he's like. In, He's actually in much better shape than this guy. This guy they have now is kind of a little uh, sloppy around the. I, I, I don't like. Want to you know. You know who him. actually. You know who. You know who uh, would have been really good. Um, the one guy from that first the Raid Redemption movie. What was his name? Um. Oh my goodness. Uh, it'll come back to me. But like, yeah, there was this one. There was this one dude from the Raid Redemption that I thought like he would have made a made a perfect Namor. Yeah, I'm gonna find this guy's name. You gotta, you gotta see this guy. Oh, it just, it just, it just came to me. He actually played Sub Zero in, uh, in more in the new Mortal Kombat movie. His name is Joe Tasman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, yeah. he, he does, he does a lot of the, the Thai stuff. Yeah, this. I wish I could remember this guy's, this guy's name. But um, this guy, a lot of the people online were talking about. This guy as well. I have his face here, but I can't find his find his name. Uh, Joe Taslim is good is good too. Um, mm-hmm. Daniel Day Daniel Day Kim has one of those cheekbone type of, you know, he might be a little old for the role, but he's got the cheekbones and looks too. 
But yeah, this this guy, I just um he does not scream Namor to me. It's not because he's he's Mexican or anything. They could have easily gotten a Mexican guy and had like the cheekbones or you know the look, but this guy just does nothing uh for me. And that kind of makes you worry about the rest of maybe it's slowly but it makes you worry about the rest of the stuff, but uh, you know. I also don't think uh what's her name? Um the one thing Shuri. Uh, yeah, yeah. She, everything she does, she feels like a spunky little sister. And I, mean, I just cannot I, see her stepping up into the Black Panther role. It doesn't I mean, really hope, work was, for me. I hope it's like an ensemble cast movie. I mean, cause yeah, because I, I, I see a lot of. Uh, I mean, I, I hope it's I hope it's that type of type of movie. I mean, because I honestly think like the Black Panther should be like like, like a whole universe. I think Marvel should go all in and, and make this whole thing like like its own like have its have its own thing almost. Because like, cause I think Phase because I think Phase like six is. I wonder if we're even gonna make it to the end huh? of phase six. At the, at the rate they're going, the way they're hemorrhaging uh, goodwill and and viewers, I would not be surprised if if they if they have to. I would not be surprised if they have to just do a major course correction. Like they're already changing some stuff. Like the Don Cheadle Disney Plus Armor Wars thing, they've decided to uh, they've decided to make into a. Um, into a movie instead. Okay, I found I found the guys. I found I found the guys. Uh, name his name is David Lee um, McInnes. I'm gonna put a link to his face in the. Yeah. Also, I heard chat. like I, I heard that they, that Blade, the movie Blade, is might get canceled because like they like, they don't know like where like vampires fit into the whole like mcu uh so, they're never gonna cancel blade for that for that reason because there's like, too much anticipation i mean they, they might cancel it but i don't think it's because of the vampire thing i think if, I they, mean, if they cancel it they're gonna it's gonna be because of incompetence but they're gonna use that as an excuse like oh we don't know where the vampires uh i mean if they want to put stuff like she hulk on the air they don't care about logical common sense they'll put anything on i just think yeah it's a clusterfuck and 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 that's that's the real reason. Yeah, yeah Marshall Ali, who could have like been a great like replacement for Black Panther? I think if he just like every voice replace. So I put a link in the chat to the guy who um, David Lee McInnes, but uh, a lot of people are asking for this guy to you know be Namor, and they brought this other guy on. And I'm like, uh, I just don't get it. I don't see it. Yeah, but I mean, maybe they're half Asian, half white. Maybe they figured that wasn't enough. They wanted a full a full minority. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Like, I wasn't really, I wasn't really that, uh, I wasn't really that fussed about him being like, um, you know, it seems like uh, I don't know, like uh, Mesoamerican, or I'm not exactly sure what the uh, uh, proper phrasing would be there. I wasn't that that fussed about it, but uh, I guess my big problem was that, like, I'm sorry, but this this just looked low effort. Yeah, right. did you see the start in the trailer of his back, and he has the love handles kind of. I was like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to body shame, but that it just did not look. I was like, come on, man. I mean, it's, it's, as long as like it's a good, it's a good. It's, it's you know, good. like they they made uh they made what's his face um uh Camille Nanjiani. You know, didn't even take his shirt off in the entire Eternals, and then he became <laughs> he yeah he became a fucking roid freak, right? So, like <laughs> they put him through all that. 
And then oh, this guy, uh, Ten- Tenok Huerta, couldn't even just like, like, bro, just like spend a day in the gym or something. Damn. <laughs> it's like he has like, it's like he has like, like two chin on one side of his face now. Like, like, like he has like two chins on like one side of his face, and the other one has like one. It's like it's like two chins on one side. It's kind of crazy, you know. Oh, I didn't even see. I didn't even see that. That, that sounds. That sounds kind of nuts. And and I don't know. Maybe it looked better on camera. I don't know. It's it's, who knows? I mean, I'm I'm done. Red red to. Two hours and change. Yeah, we're, so. we're, yeah. I think we, I think we, we covered this one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But thanks everybody who I joined us. Um, I already plugged the YouTube channel for uh, YouTube.com forward slash Champagne Sharks. But Q, do you have anything you want to plug before you go? Uh, no, no, no. I uh, uh, nothing, nothing to plug for the time being. But I will within the next couple of weeks. Oh wait, you broke up. We didn't hear you, you said in the next couple of weeks, and then I didn't. Oh, hear I said, anything. I said, yeah, nothing to plug for the time being, but within the next couple of weeks, I sure will. Oh, I understand. Okay, great. All right, thanks everybody who joined us. Everybody, uh, take care. Keep your eyes open on this space. If you're not following the show, like if you just stumbled in here, then take the time to follow the show now and follow the people on stage and follow each other too. All right, and everyone, be good. Have a good night. Peace.